Welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. It's time to shift your paradigm, gain some inspiration, and get moving towards that next level of success. Today, we're talking about the human element. And so Jeanette Wade, who's the author of The Human Team, which we're going to talk more about today, she's also a business coach, and she brings humanity right back into business, which we all know is needed now more than ever. So Jeanette, thanks for being here and for having this discussion with us. Thank you, Jamie. I'm excited to, for you to share your journey and also just to dive into this because you and I are both like culture junkies, right? Human, like that we're, we're going to probably have to time box ourselves a little bit. (laughs) Um, But why don't you start with just sharing who you are, your journey, kind of how you've gotten to this point. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure like how far back and which piece to, to call out, but I will say feels like my entire life from childhood to now, I've been fascinated by people and humanity because I remember observing people in the playground and wondering why they did certain things to certain kids and why I felt the way I felt. And can't we all just be a team and play and get along? You know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. You're the harmony and person, a <laughs> harmony person, someone seeking that magic answer and found myself um, working for a motivation incentive and performance company in the mid nineties, which is all about human behavior. And we were working with Maslow's hierarchy of needs and trying to tap into self-actualization through incentives, right? So how do we get you out of security and safety moving up, you know, by motivating and incenting you, right? So in my early career, I was dealing with humanity. Mm-hmm. And what I found was that, you know, humanity is messy, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And as much as you can learn about it, you still have more to learn and that it doesn't always go as planned. We can have beautiful visions and strategies and we can have done all the right type of hiring and have all the methodologies and processes. And um, the multiplier is always people. Mm-hmm. And it's also the common denominator of failure right? So success and failure have one thing in common, people, people, humans. (laughs) And, and so I was on teams that succeeded and I was on teams that failed. And I was a human being that showed up as a successful human being. And I showed up as a human being with all my crazy and, and uncomfortableness and chaos when the team wasn't functioning. And, and, you know, your, your nature kicks in, your, your natural human animalness comes out and you're, you're in, you're in fight, flight and freeze modes. You're in instinctual modus operandi. You're just trying to figure it out. And sometimes our childhoods come into play. I remember one of my managers early on said, you know, all these people at work that we're frustrated with are just the child they once were. And that was a great insight for me to realize, to have empathy, to see people where they were, to understand that, you know, everyone um, comes from different places, backgrounds, experiences, and we're human animals. So we have reactions and instincts and it's messy and icky. And then I had a leadership opportunity where I became part of a team and it didn't work. The recipe of people was a mess and it, we just couldn't work together. And everyone showed up at their best and their worst. And that's kind of the funny thing about teams is that they do that. You'll, you'll, you'll see people who are, can perform and still be jerks. <laughs> you, can, you can see people who are totally nice and empathetic and can't perform and they're complacent, right? It's just this mix of stuff. And it happened to me. So, you know, in our journey 
to be great leaders and managers, coaches, business people. Um, we fall into our own human trap, our own challenges in our head, our own worry about confidence, our own, can I really get this new capability? Can I be part of the team? Is this the right activity um, for the organization and for me? And I'm no different. And so in that um, quest of helping businesses, learning how to be a leader and manager myself, um, I had been writing down for probably over 20 years different things that I had observed, learned, and discovered. And that's how I came to write the human team. Because I, I feel like there's a huge passion in me to teach people that human dynamics and team dynamics can come together. And I know um, Jim Collins has been talking a lot about, you know, the discipline of people, thought, and action. How are we built to last for sustainable organizations, right? And then he always has this multiplier they talks about now, once we get all that in place, the multiplier is luck, good luck or bad luck. And I'm like, I can get with, but get behind you on luck because COVID was a luck event, good or bad, but also people are a multiplier. Yep. And if we don't know how to harness human energy appropriately, then we can't move forward. Amen. Amen. This is going to be a good discussion. All right. <laughs> so before we dive in a bit more to this topic and then the book and uh, what I want to talk about a superpower because you're on the superpower success podcast. So we like to celebrate superpowers because we all have our unique, our own, right. That are unique to us. What do you think is one of your superpowers that's contributed to your success? I think for me, it is this seeing complexity and chaos and then being able to simplify and clarify it very quickly for people so they can get through it. Hmm. So very I, I time and time again, whether it's complex product modeling, business models, or just dealing with people, I'm like, so you're saying there's all this stuff going on, or there's all these options we have. Let's just get it narrowed down and simplified and clear, right? And, and getting people then to take action one piece at a time. And that's why you're good at what you do with businesses, because that's the thing is there's sometimes there's just so much that we can't see the clarity right in the fog in everything that's in front of us. So I love that. So you've kind of already introduced a little bit about the human element, but, but talk about the book and the concept and why every single leader that's listening <laughs> needs to understand this, right? This is a competitive advantage. I truly believe. Yeah, no. So if we want to get return on individual or the multiplier of people in our business, so our businesses don't grow without the right people doing the right things and feeling the right way. Um, if we're going to get really fascinated about human beings, we have to understand kind of where this concept of the human team and these six facets of human needs, which are the framework outlined in the book. So six facets of human needs. And where it comes from is um, this discovery and observation that I kind of mentioned is we have nature. And that's how people show up. So um, the joke is in my book, the, the subtitle is the human team. So you created a team, but people showed up. <laughs> and so nature shows up, right? And as managers and leaders, it's always the first thing I hear is the issue. You know, they're complaining, they're, they're not joining in, they're, you know, just all the different things that people do instinctually, modus operandi, or just out of reaction from brain chemistry mm -hmm. showing up. Now, the other thing I noticed in business in particular is that we do a lot of nurture activities to try to overcome that and they don't last very long. So you'll see these spikes in energy happen due to team building or a training 
or a, a, a company gathering or some event activity has happened to nurture the people. And we think we've gotten the magic bullet answer. Everyone feels really good. And then within 30 to 90 days or even six months, they're like, well, we're just back at work again, right? <laughs> and no one can seem to see, figure out what's the gap between this. We understand nature shown up and we try to nurture the heck out of it. Why doesn't it work? Right. And what the discovery was that if you get these six needs met, so the bridging the gap is meeting these needs. So nature needs nurture, right? Mm -hmm. And so if we get these needs met, we harness human energy fully and it's holistic. So I'll see different bodies of work out there. Um, Patrick Lencioni, Brené Brown, you name the different gurus or, or authors or thought leaders and researchers in the space. A lot of them you'll notice in these six C's are really emphasizing in one area. I mean, Patrick Lencioni tends to own clarity. Brené Brown tends to kind of be confidence, bravery, et cetera, right? So, but holistically, when we only fill one or two, it can feel like a healthy team until something happens or we need to move the energy into change. And then we find out there's a gap. <laughs> right. And that's what I was just right. I was just writing down, as you said about change is it's, it's what actually is the deterrent to resiliency. Yeah. Because if we don't have these needs fulfilled, we can't be resilient, right? We can't be open to the change that's happening to us. So why do you think some leaders struggle with this humanity approach and some don't? First thing is the ones who do and the ones who don't share a common um, issue. And that is they never have enough time to give the attention. Right. And the ones who master it tend to block time, make time, give time. Right. And the ones who struggle with it are always claiming I'm too busy for it. Right. Right. So they don't truly, they don't take accountability. They, they don't see it because that's what I see in clients. And I know you see it too, is, is we want our leaders to be better, but they're really busy. And at some point, someone needs to hold them accountable. They need to be, feel accountable to this is part of, this is the number one part of their job. And they need to actually believe that. And, and many of them see this as a luxury to do. If I can get the time, I'll get time with my people. And why I keep saying return on individual and that people and teams are your multiplier is because I'm hoping in business speak, managers hear that this is actually the main catalyst to the outcomes you'd love to see. And so why wouldn't you give it your time and attention? It's the most leverageable activity you can do where you get the highest gain. It's not. And so the, what I, when I wrote the book and when I had the discovery and I got the framework together, I tried not to make it about um, EQ and what a lot of the managers call the fluffy stuff, although that stuff is super important to be a great leader and manager. I needed to make this more holistic for them in that they could see that the people activity was a business activity. Right. I think it's Simon Sinek that I just love that he said this leaders need to understand that the soft stuff is actually the hard stuff. Yes. They tend to go, that's fluffy. I, I don't have time for that. <laughs> if I had that luxury stuff to right. feel good, right? Uh, all that stuff is not luxury. It is actually the meat and potatoes of it. This isn't luxury. This is, you must do it. If you want to attract talent, retain talent, motivate change, 
you want to innovate and get to the next level, anything you want to multiply your business and the efforts within it. We have moved from an industrial economy in the last hundred or so years to a service-based economy and service is about people. (laughs) So fundamentally the base of service is servicing people and without great people, we don't do that well. I love that industrial service base. It's so true. And it's why it feels the way it does for a lot of employees right now is because we're, we're wanting something different. So can you talk through some examples and, you know, I don't know if we need to go through all of them, but like, what are some of these needs? Like for a leader that's listening, like what does their team need that they might not be fulfilling? Yeah. So I'll, I'll list the six C's, the six facets of human needs, and maybe we'll just talk about a couple of them. So the six are clarity, our need for clarity, the need for connection, contribution, challenge, the need for challenge, the need for consideration, and the need for confidence. So we all have these six needs innate in each of us. So I had someone ask me, I was talking to a room full of 15 visionaries, and one of them said, Jeanette, I think those are interesting, but I already have a healthy team. And I, and, and so how do I know I really have a healthy team or if, am I just fooling myself? And I said, well, let's walk through the six. It, the most common ones that people, when they feel like they've reached healthy team status, the most common ones that they, they put in place um, are clarity, consideration, and connection. So we get along well we know who we are, <laughs> right? And we hold each other in regard. So it's kind of a, a, a kumbaya team, right? It's like, it, it, we're, we're together and we like each other. And I'm like, that feels really good. But that team may not be strong enough because they're missing the ability for everyone to fully contribute their highest and best ability. Or that sometimes those kumbaya teams invite too many people to the table. So if we're just talking contribution, um, the Ringelman effect within contribution is a key um, research study to know, because if you think about what they did in the Ringelman effect, the study was a rope pull. If you put one person on each side of a rope pull, they will each singly pull 100% of the effort. If you add one more person to each side of the rope, I believe it went down to, it depended on the people. There's always going to be people who pull 100%. Jamie, you may be one of them. <laughs> like I'll pull 100% no okay. matter what. No matter when, right? But most human beings will level down their participation when another person gets added to the rope. 95% contribution, 85% contribution. We add a third person, everyone levels down a percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we get to about, you know, three to seven people on the rope, that's about the max out where everyone's contributing enough to really put value to the team and the pool. Anything beyond that. There, there are actually people at the end of the rope pool, just there for the photo shoot waving. They're not really pulling, right? They're right. pretending to be part of the team, but for kumbaya, I'll call it kumbaya teams. Um, the ones who love each other and feel like they get along. Uh, a lot of times they invite too many people to meetings because they don't want hurt feelings, right? Absolutely. And so not everyone can fully contribute. And honestly, the contribution becomes wasted time. Mm-hmm. So we can't contribute to the organization in other ways. So size matters. And too often you'll understand your team health if you can be really disciplined about getting your team sizes right. Now for committees and project teams, the max out point is 15 or for departments, sometimes the max out point is 15 members. And that's a magic number shows up in research over and over again. 
where empathy breaks. So we talk about empathy being important in organizations. We can't care about or have trust with or really be empathetic past a group of 15. So if you think about your friendship circles that you had in high school or in college, you a lot of times had a max out point on the ability to care. Right. So contribution is a key one to team dynamics. The other one, so we're going to talk about three today that are the toughest to do. So contribution is one of the hardest to do. And there's so many things to contribution. I only talked about size. Um, Challenge is one that leaders and managers avoid. My people are too busy to be challenged. I don't want to put any more on their plate. You've probably heard all the excuses to not challenge. Um, They don't want to be challenged. And I'll often say, and you probably have seen this in your coaching and consulting, um, that there have been people that you've coached, pushed, challenged, had them try a new, give give this new capability a shot, right? You've gotten them to do something new and they didn't want to do it because human beings are wired to resist naturally. Mm -hmm. And then only to find out a week, month, maybe a year later, they come up to you and they thank you. I didn't want to do that, but I needed it. Thank you. Right. Almost all of us that have pushed, challenged, led, or managed have had that experience at some point. So they may not want challenge, but they need it. It is a human need. We talk about this in all of our leadership trainings. And we say the best coach or mentor that each of us can think of someone that has had an impact on our life. It's because they challenged us. Oh yeah. They pushed us to do more than we thought we could do. Yeah. You can do one more rep. Come on. And it was like, and I was able to run the marathon because, or yeah, we all have those stories, personal and professional. I think you can do it. I mean, in my early career, the internet was barely a thing. And I had to go in front of a board of directors and and once a quarter, tell them how many AOL dial-up customers there were in the world and that the internet would still be around. Right. And so I was being challenged to take on this new technology and figure it out. I was scared. I didn't know what it meant. I, you know, I was in my late twenties. I, it was, you know, so, but this is challenges about two things, getting a coaching mindset as a leader and manager, so not a challenge mindset. I mean, challenge is the need, right. but sometimes we take the word challenge and say, I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to dump on. I don't want to make them right. This is more of a coaching mindset. And so, like you just said, if you think about all your great coaches in your past channel that and say, Hey, what could we do to help you accomplish this? Or I think you can, let's give it a shot, right? Using coaching mindset language gets us to that spot where they get out of complacency and they get into a growth mindset. For a while, about five years ago, you kept hearing about growth mindset. The the catalyst to growth mindset is someone who is challenging you to get there. Right. Yeah. So as leaders and managers, we need to be challengers. We need to do tough love. We need to do the tough things for the organization. Sometimes you have to challenge the organization. COVID was a challenge, right? Huge. We had to challenge ourselves to take, take all the necessary steps to keep our organizations pivoting, adapting. Those are all challenges. So we had to embrace challenge and it was something we needed. Many of us need it to up our technology game. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to do it in the fastest pace we ever had to do it in our lives, but we needed it. And we thought we were going to need it 10 years from now. <laughs> right. A little <laughs> but, sooner than, you know, we yeah. were ready for it, but. Exactly. And then the final one is confidence that tends to be a gap. Um, so we tend not to be great confidence builders as leaders and managers. 
We don't build trust with, with purpose and consistency. Um, we don't embrace failure. So I'll talk about failure because there's so much we can talk about, about confidence, but I feel like many leaders and managers are so worried about mistakes and failures that they lose sight, that those are the exact things that give us the experience to do innovation, to move further, faster, that people must, must step into new capability. And so my favorite stories on failure are actually Sarah Blakely with Spanx. Yep. Right. So first CEO billionaire um, female. Mm-hmm. And when every time she's interviewed, and if you follow her on LinkedIn, you'll see she's constantly talking about mistakes and failure. Even, even when she was on Shark Tank, how she, she messed up. <laughs> and so she's just like, hey, we did it again. Let's keep going. And my favorite, my favorite analogy or her story about her father asking her, her and her siblings once a week at dinner, what'd you fail at this week? sounds scary to anybody. And like, if my father did that, oh my God. But if we take that into leadership and management in our weekly meetings, just ask the question and maybe we ask it a little differently, but I'm just going to be blunt and say, what'd you fail at this week? What her father did was say, after they shared a mistake, maybe a friendship lost, maybe they didn't do great on their science project, whatever it was throughout their life, he would say, wow, I'm so glad you gave that a shot. So celebrate it. Or two, he'd say, what'd you learn from it? Right. Three, how are we going to get better and what can we do differently? I mean, he had all these great questions, which is what leadership and management to build confidence is great questions and helping them navigate mistakes. Because I do not know a leader and manager out there that got to where they were without experience and without experience that are in that experience, I should say, was failures and mistakes. They all have them. Right. They don't admit them. We're not vulnerable enough. We don't go, you know, I did, I wasn't that great at that, you know, doing the sales pitch way back when I first started either. Right. Let me be your guide to help learn this new capability. You don't have to be perfect today. Right. You know, doing those kinds of failure turnaround conversations, you gotta, you gotta be vulnerable. You gotta embrace failure. You gotta celebrate mistakes. You gotta celebrate giving it a shot because otherwise organizations and people get fear, apprehension, and doubt. And they never give it a shot. They never take the chance. They never build new capability. And without that, we don't get innovation. We don't adapt. We don't get confidence and trust. Right. And it's interesting you talk about, you know, that failure or that fear and leaders being human. Mm -hmm. And we saw that in our best clients during COVID is when leaders just said, I'm right next to you. I'm not on ahead. I'm we're figuring this out together because nobody knew the answers. No one knew what to do next necessarily, right? We were figuring it out together. And the really good leaders were the ones that just said, I work with me, right? They didn't feel like they had to have the answer. They were the ones asking the questions and saying, what do you think we should do together? And many of them, and I don't know if you saw this, but last year or so when March things shut down, about June timeframe, 2020, I was getting a lot of feedback, common statements like, I am shocked my people stepped up. Yes. And I said, so why do you think they stepped up? Because they finally counted on them, had confidence in them, trusted them just to take the stuff that they had no time to do anymore, right? They got out of the way. (laughs) I, I don't need to be in full control of everything to try and strive for perfection. 
I just had to count on them and they took the ball and they were confident at running it. And I'm shocked by it. I go, it's not shocking. They need to do it. And we're all busy. So don't use the excuse of like to challenge them or get confidence and, and, and all of that stuff of that we're all too busy. It's that we will all be busy forever if we all try to control everything. Wow. That in and of itself is worth the price of admission right now. Like if we all think about what really happened and how, how do we learn and stay there instead of going back to muscle memory, right? That's my biggest fear right now. Exactly. So someone who's listening, that's like nodding their head, like, yes, this is, this is what I need to get better at. Where do you suggest they start besides reading the book? (laughs) Yeah. Not here just to pitch the book because my, my passion is really getting this message out that, you know, leaders, managers, supervisors, facilitators, coaches, anyone who has to influence business and humanity. And these teams don't have to be business teams. It can be sports teams, your, your family teams, any teaming up of humanity is that we understand, first of all, accept humanity. We are human, human beings, not human doings. So nature is going to show up, understand that as best you can know that if you can just assess these six areas, that clarity, connection, contribution, um, challenging consideration and confidence assess where you think you are as a leader to put the oxygen mask on your fur. Sure. You're feeling calm. I'm not going unless I'm feeling challenged. Um, okay, make thanks. sure that you're feeling considered. So get your oxygen mask on yourself first. Okay, one second, go back. You broke up a ton on my side. Oh, no. So Sophia will edit this, but just go back to, um, after you listed them off, you said, assess. So start back with just assess yourself and then she'll cut that other part out. So once you know these six facets of human needs, what you need to do as a leader, manager, facilitator, or coach is to assess yourself first. This is like putting the oxygen mask on yourself first on the airplane, right? There's a reason for that. You must be strong and have your needs met. You can't fill the tank of the people around you if your tank isn't full. So oxygen mask yourself first, assess yourself I have a coaching assessment for free on my website, which we can share later that they can ask some questions of themselves or a coach. It's a coaching guide. They can ask others and just make sure you've taken care of yourself first. Then look at the individuals and the group and the team that you're leading and see where we're strong. So rate each one of these one to 10 and just say, how's our clarity as a team? Do we all know our role? Do we all know where we're heading? One to 10, right? Are are we really a truly connected, bonded, loyal high functioning team, one to 10, are we really all fully contributing or do we have too many people on the team? Are we not using our highest best use? You know, are we using everyone's talents and abilities one to 10, right? So do the assessment on these six areas and, and start to navigate and solve the issues, challenges, and opportunities you have as a team. And my passionate plea is do it together as a leader and manager. Once you find out and have awareness of these gaps, Don't feel like you have to go it alone. Ask the team, how do we do this? How do we get to a new level of challenge or a new level of confidence? Or how do we consider each other in a new way? And and they will typically have the answers. You don't have to have them. And it's that is commitment at its finest. If people feel like they are part of that, right? And part of the solution and what they need to do differently. So I love that. How can people get more information? You mentioned the assessment or kind of that, the the book, like tell them where to go so they can connect with you or get more information on how you can help or the book can help. Okay. 
Um, on my website, I have a page. So business-alchemist.com forward slash the human team. And on that page is a link to order the book. There's also a free downloadable assessment and a downloadable coaching guide. Um, so feel free to access those. And that's at least a first step to getting more fascinated with your people, bridging the gap between the people who show up and the way you want to nurture and move them forward, getting these needs met. I love it. And we'll make sure I include that in the podcast notes for anybody who's driving, running, whatever you do while you're listening to podcasts. Thank you for being here and for having this conversation. No, I, I truly enjoyed this. Like you said, I think we could go on and on and talk about it all day. <laughs> we could. Um, and we might after we stop recording. But okay. Um, it, but this is just such an important thing right now, given the state of the state and, you know, and how people are feeling, right? These, these human needs are, are, you know, I tell my clients, these human needs are how we create a competitive advantage and create loyalty and how we create some of this when the rest of the world around our employees feels very unclear, right? And, and, and they're dealing with those emotions. I feel like businesses can really drive loyalty and love for their people by doing these things. So now more than ever is the time to double down. Now more than ever, block your time. Right. I love it. Thank you for being here. Thanks for sharing this message. Definitely get the book. Everybody that's listening again, it is a book plug because it's just one of those leadership principles that's simple right? But it's hard, right? Simple in concept, but it's something we all need to be focusing on right now in our communities, in our families, and in our businesses. Thanks, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this episode, please click that little subscribe button so you get the latest episodes when we release them. And we would so appreciate a rating and a review. We'd love to hear from you on how these podcast topics are having an impact for you. And if you haven't subscribed to our newsletter, make sure and go to our website, keystonegroupintl.com to sign up.